Run to Old Navy to treat yourself with up to 40% off store-wide on fall's best dresses, cozy sweaters, and must-have jeans. Talk about a treat. Save up to 40% off at Old Navy or OldNavy.com. Run to Old Navy today. Valid 1023 to 11-1. Select styles only. health 
advocate. So on that note, I see that uh, she has just joined us, so I want to welcome her to A Better World. Jill, are you on? I am indeed. Thank you, Mitchell. It's great to be here on A Better World. Well, I'm so glad. I mean, isn't that our vision behind it all, isn't it? That That is our, you know, our theme, an America and a world that works for all of us. That's what it's about. We're we're on one small Absolutely. boat here, and we got to make it work. It's one small boat, exactly. As Reverend Jesse Jackson said once, we all may have taken different boats here, but we're all in the same boat now. <laughs> and so <laughs> the Green Party, I feel, is very much helping to steer that ship through some very rocky shoals here, Jill. And, uh, you know, we loved having you on here in the past and glad to have you on again. I'd like to, you know, our audience is quite familiar with the Green Party platform because when you've been on, you've shared it with us, and I'd love to hear more, of course, but also uh, in your absence uh, one time when you were going to be on, but uh, last-minute change. I still dedicated the show to talking about the Green Party platform and you as, as its leader. And so we're pretty familiar with it, although touch on it as you wish. But I'd really like to speak first about this present situation we find ourselves in today with the two-party system, in a sense, um, crashing and burning. And I'd like to just hear what you have to say about that and what you think the Green Party's realistic position is relative to this. Great. And I think, you know, we are looking at... In the final chapter in this um, in this absurd uh, corporate captured political system where Absurdist everyday theater. people yes it is a circus mm-hmm. you know it's a theater of the absurd and everyday people have been thrown under the bus for quite some time now really for decades and it's just right. hit the point of I think intolerable. Uh, consequences. And so people are standing up in this election. It's quite amazing to say that they don't like these two candidates. These are the most disliked and untrusted candidates in our history. And in fact, even their own supporters don't support them. A majority of Donald supporters are not motivated by liking Donald, but rather by disliking Hillary. And the same is true for Hillary's supporters. A majority are there mainly because they don't like Donald. You know, what's wrong with this picture? Democracy is not a question of who we most dislike and who we most fear. It needs a moral compass. It needs an affirmative agenda. And, you know, what's amazing now is that the system is melting down before our very eyes. The Republican Party is exploding. And with the news in the last two days that both John McCain has defected and now the leader, really, of the Republican Party, uh, Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, has said he will not defend Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is now shooting back to say that, you know, he's going to be attacking Paul Ryan and the leadership of the Republican Party. So it's all-out warfare. As it's the complete explode party. and implode at the same time. Absolutely. And what's amazing, how do you feel, how well, do you feel Jill, that point. that... 
the, the yeah, other please. really important thing here is that the Republican leadership has now defected into Hillary's campaign. So what Hillary yeah. is campaigning now for is kind of what has been in the cards here all the time, which is the ultimate merger of the two corporate political parties behind a shared agenda yeah. for the economic elite, yeah. for uh, endless war, and really for the fossil fuel uh, powerhouses. Uh, Hillary, yeah. you know, she gives lip service to the cause of climate change, but she supports fracking. And the Democratic Party would not even pretend uh, to take an oppositional stand to fracking, refuse to incorporate right. that into their voluntary platform. So while she and Donald have different views of climate, it's what they do that counts. And whether it's coal or whether it's fracking, we don't get out of here alive. So, you know, yeah. that's where this combined political party is now. And it's very, in a way, it's, it's, it's a moment of truth, especially now that the Democrats have created this fake crisis with Russia around the emails, which the Democrats are so yeah. embarrassed about. They're creating this crisis. There is no evidence. The article that you know, in which Homeland Security and the uh, National Intelligence Agency announced that they thought Russia was responsible, they also acknowledged in this article that there is no evidence whatsoever that this ties to the Russian government. Yet that doesn't stop them from bringing us now the nuclear brinksmanship and uh, really fanning the flames of the media or the media for seizing upon it and broadcasting it over the public, believe it or not, airwaves, as though mm -hmm. it were factual. Correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. You know, I've been saying for the longest time, Jill, the reason that the Republicans, including George H. Bush Sr., mm -hmm. is voting for Hillary Clinton, and so mm -hmm. many other Republicans are, is because she's a Republican. <laughs> and so many other people are voting for Donald because despite his rather racist comments and all of that misogyny, etc., in many other peculiar ways, he's very much a Democrat and was a Democrat, you know, a registered Democrat for decades, most of his most of his life. So it's a very that just goes to underscore the point you're making about the collapse of both parties into one. Exactly. One very toxic and dangerous party. We have two candidates who are absolutely lethal for yes. our near-term future as well as our long-term. And the issues of war, nuclear weapons, Hillary Clinton doesn't make any bones about it. You know, there are lots of yes. obvious, blatant reasons to be despairing uh, about the possibility of a Donald Trump presidency. But there are yes. equally compelling reasons to be despairing about a Hillary Clinton presidency, though they're less overt, but they're really there. And foremost among them, Hillary's uh, rapid, ramp, rabid uh, position. Yes regarding Syria, that she wants to start a no-fly zone, which no means we will be shooting down Russian aircraft. Don't for a minute think that the Russians are going to back down just because we start, uh, you know, claiming the airspace as ours. That will be, That's you know, right. extremely inflammatory. And all it's going to take is one, you know, one downed aircraft, and we could see the, the nuclear weapons 
um, you know, come out of the yes. come out Hearing of the ground. There are two thousand two thousand nuclear missiles on hair trigger alert. This is so unbelievably dangerous. And it's not just the Russians here, you know, it's the it's NATO who's moved its troops right to the Russian border after we promised to Gorbachev that there that NATO would not move one inch to the east after the reunification of Germany and Germany joining NATO. We promised yes. we were not going to move to the east, but we have surrounded Russia. We have missiles in Poland and Romania. We now have NATO troops doing war exercises at uh, Russia's border. This is the Cuban Missile Crisis in reverse, All but over on again. Yes. now for the Russians. Yes. And, and, and Hillary Clinton is not just playing with fire. You know, she's absolutely implementing fire right now that could – Get, that could deteriorate into a mushroom cloud uh, at any moment now. So where does the Green Party stand with, since you've brought up, and for good reason, the whole uh, subject of foreign policy, how would you articulate, Jill, where the Green Party stands in regard to this? And how would you, if you were president, deal and address these very hot-button issues? Well, for one thing, we need to acknowledge that this is a concocted crisis. This is a concocted crisis based on Russian tampering with U.S. elections, for which there is zero evidence. This is essentially a smokescreen that the Democratic Party is trying to throw up against the revelations of these emails and instead to create a firestorm around Russia Russia meddling in our elections and uh, hacking these emails. There is no evidence, again, and they stated so themselves in the very article that launched this. There's no evidence here um, implicating the Russians whatsoever. And yet this is being used as a reason for our collaboration to break down in Syria, uh, for um, uh, us to be you know, uh, activating our, our NATO troops and all that. So we have been absolutely going in the wrong direction here. And the Russians, in responding to U.S., uh, you know, uh, escalation, have moved some of their missiles within Russia, but they've moved their missiles in a way that is, you know, now there's sort of mutual provocation going on. This is extremely you dangerous. Know, so there's a... I re- let me bring this up because you're bringing yeah. up very, very important subjects. And I just a couple of weeks ago had a, a leading proponent of nuclear disarmament on, and I, I learned the tragic truth that uh, the missiles toward New York and other major cities in the United States, as toward Moscow and St. Petersburg and other major cities all over Russia, are exactly in the same position as they were at the beginning of the Cold War. There has been some nuclear disarmament. We've gone from some 55,000 or so nuclear warheads down to about 15,500, something like that. That's true. That's good news. But still, as you were saying, Everything is otherwise pointed directly at each other. What would you do if you, let's play a game, you become president, you're in the Oval Office as of January. Let's just say you won. What would you do? Would you seek to enter diplomatic discussions with Vladimir Putin about this and about Syria? What would you do? Of course. I mean, there's no rocket science to this. And, you know, step number one, 
Step number one is that we need to immediately uh, de-escalate in Syria. And we need to work, you know, we had a, a ceasefire that we have worked out with the Russians. And what happened to that? Well, the U.S. somehow bombed Syrian troops, and we broke the ceasefire. So we need to go back to the drawing boards on the ceasefire and get it up and running again and show that we mm-hmm. are really committed here. And then we need to initiate ourselves. The U.S. can begin to initiate a weapons embargo to the entire region, to the Middle East, because we're arming all sides. And we yeah. can also initiate a freeze on the, on the bank accounts of those countries that are continuing to fund terrorist enterprises. And that means above all the Saudis, who Hillary Clinton identified herself. She identified the Saudis as still the major source of funding for uh, extremist uh, terrorism around, around the world. So those are two very important steps that we can initiate to begin cooling down this, the fires in the Middle East, because we've been applying a flamethrower here to all sides by promoting weapon sales to everyone, including, you know, $100 billion worth of weapon sales to the Saudis. Um, and the Saudis, in turn, have been, you know, supporting the so-called good terrorists, you know, the Al-Qaeda-associated terrorists who they, uh, yeah, the you know, and who the U.S. has been saying is, yeah, the, the Al-Nusra Front is... Now, what would is, you do? How guys, would you deal... How would you deal with the whole subject of the so-called permanent government, you know, what what General President Eisenhower uh, called out in his final speech about the military-industrial complex, and apparently in his first speech before his brother advised him to remove it, mm-hmm. he referred to the congressional-industrial mm-hmm. complex, yeah. <laughs> uh, a little-known fact, you know. But right. how would you address that? Because they've had a stranglehold on uh, the, the, the Pentagon and the State Department for so many decades now. How would you address that? I, I mean, I'm in whole agreement with you. How would you address that internal issue? So you may recall in 2013, uh, we were told resistance is futile, that the U.S. was about to undertake a massive bombing campaign over Syria in response to Mm -hmm. this uh, sarin attack. Uh, We were were basically going to be bombing the country. And the American people... That was the 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 line in the sand. That's, that's right. And we, we stood up and we said no. And then it turned out, well, there was another way to deal with these chemical weapons, and that was by, you know, by sort of, you know, uh, disarming the chemical weapons, you know, and that they could be dealt with through the Chemical Weapons Treaty. So there was a completely peaceful means of dealing with this. But the important point was that the American people got mobilized, and we instructed Congress what needed to be done. That's exactly what yeah. needs to happen right now, that not just in terms of the war, but also the climate, uh, the, you know, the crisis of student debt, uh, you name it, our health care. We, the people, need to be in the driver's seat here. Now, what we're talking about is putting a president in the White House who would be an organizer-in-chief, who would be letting people know on a, you know, on a weekly basis what are the key proposals that are coming up, what bills are going to be voted on, what your congressmen and women need to hear from you about what are the talking points and then go to it team occupy those offices send out hundreds and thousands (laughs) of people that's how we stopped the bombing of syria in 2013 because we mobilized and people got out and you know by the hundreds we lobbied it's in the absence of our voices 
Ralph Nader says this all the time. You know, it's in the absence of our voices that the lobbyists reign supreme. That's basically what the military-industrial complex is. So there are several things that we need to do here that can supplement that, like getting money out of politics and stopping the revolving door of appointments so that people do not proceed from the the weapons uh, industry into – the Defense Department, you know, and into being the advisors that are defining policy. We need to stop the revolving yes. door. We need to stop the flow of money in politics that essentially buys policy uh, from behind closed doors. Those two measures, plus, I must add, uh, taking back the public airwaves for public purpose uh, and really yes. restoring political dialogue and political debate, which does not exist. Hillary and Donald are never going to talk about the war. The American people need to know that these wars are costing us more than 50% of our discretionary budget and almost 50% of your income taxes are going to these friggin' wars that have not made us one iota safer, have created failed states, mass refugee migrations, and worse terrorist threats, yet it's bankrupting us. So that's all the American people need to hear in order to just you know throw down the gauntlet and say that's the yes. last war you know that we're going to fight in the Middle East period. So there is a way forward, and and I want to also mention on nuclear weapons, we were yes, the ones please. the U.S. backed out of the major nuclear weapons treaty, the ABM treaty, anti ballistic missile treaty, and so we need to unilaterally uh, no less by G.W. That's Bush. Right. Exactly. We did. And the Russians have been trying to get us back to the negotiating table. So, it, you know, mm. this is like some mysterious, difficult thing to do. We need to take the Russians up on their offer to reengage, to bring us both down to uh, 1,000 missiles each, and then to bring in all countries of the world and basically make nuclear weapons obsolete. We can just by yeah. picking up on the offers that the Russians have made, you know, it's not like it's not like crazy difficult to do. Same thing right. um, uh, on, on cyber warfare, because the Russians have actually proposed a treaty to stop cyber warfare, yet here we are. We've been refusing this treaty for at least a decade. It's about time, Mm -hmm. and again, it's not rocket science about how to do the right thing here. We just need to get people in positions of power in our country, in our country. You know, we got to start with our homework here, get people in our country who are not representing the war profiteers who have every reason to be creating another enemy because they need to keep their big military budget uh, buffed up. So we need so to stand go up. To the, let's election. go to the subject of let's go to the subject of good people in power. Let's say, namely, you. So from that point of view, uh, how many states is the Green Party currently registered in on the ballot? We're on the ballot for forty-eight states. And I really encourage people to join us at jill2016.com and help us push forward. We are still working to open up Go to Democracy Now! You can see my answers following the non-answers of Hillary and Donald, who spent their time mostly attacking each other. But those questions need to be answered in this election. We're not just deciding what kind of a world we're going to have, but whether we're going to have a world or not. At all. all. We need to stand up. It is a race to the bottom between the greater and lesser evil. That's more evident now than ever. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Reject the propaganda. Forget the lesser evil. 
fight for the greater good, like our lives depend on it, because they do. And, Mitchell, I have to run to this wonderful rally. Can I just give people the address of it? Oh, please, absolutely. You were all in New York City. You just arrived, correct? I am, and we're having this amazing rally. Immortal Technique will be there. Um, uh, Another incredible... Uh, rap artist from the West Coast who just really Wonderful. debuting right now named uh, Core Element is going to be there. And just amazing people. Uh, also Excellent. the wonderful um, candidate for Senate for the Green Party from New York, Robin Laverne Williams, will be there. So come and join us. It's Wonderful. at the Hostos the Center for Arts and Culture at 7 p.m., 450 Grand Concourse in the South Bronx. Again, that's 450 oh. Grand Concourse, South Bronx, the Hostos Center for Art and Culture. And go to my website, jill2016.com, or join us uh, on Facebook at Dr. Jill Stein. That's D-R Jill Stein. The voter revolt is happening, so get on board. Whether, whether there's a Democrat or a Republican in the White House, we need real resistance. We need the people's movement to have a political voice if we are going to fight the craziness of either administration. But remember, we have enough votes out there just in the 43 million people locked into student debt. That alone is enough to win a three-way presidential race. So it's not over. Help us force open the barred gates of real debate because the American people not only have a right to vote, we have a right to know who we can vote for. There are four candidates on just about every ballot in the country. The American people deserve to know about us. Thank you so Absolutely, much. Absolutely, Jill. You're it's so welcome. And where you Jill. left off is where we want to pick up again. You're so welcome, Jill. Is where we want to pick up again in our next dialogue on the air, which is that path, your path, to the White House, which actually has real traction to it. And that is something I want us and our audience to know more about. So can we Wonderful. do this again sometime soon before Let the election? Soon. I'm looking God forward bless. to it. Have Thank a wonderful so time. Much. Welcome to New York, and we'll get this posted on A Better World Facebook now as well. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. You're so welcome. Thank you, Jill. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Jill Stein running for President of the United States on the Green Party ticket. She is full of enthusiasm, full of integrity, and it is such a welcome breath of fresh air to be dealing in the political realm with a real, as we say in Chinese, a real mensch, a woman who is really there for us without any question, without reservation, without having to second guess and wonder if what you're hearing is authentic or whether there's some kind of subversive, covert uh, agenda that isn't being spoken. As we learned, unfortunately, in black and white, as though we didn't know it before, from the latest WikiLeaks revelations of the texts of Hillary Clinton's uh, speeches to Goldman Sachs at all her Wall Street friends, where she spoke of a public agenda and a private agenda, and this is exactly what we do not need. That's the kind of two-faced, bold-faced, bald-faced, 
lies and deception that the American people have had to deal with now, really, for generations. It's gotten that, and that's being characterized, exemplified in this current race. I think the word race should be removed altogether from the idea of racism, but this is a form of it by why is there a race to the White House? Why doesn't anyone who runs seeking to uh, represent all Americans, all Americans, not some, certainly not just the 1%, which, interestingly, both people who are running in the Republican and Democratic parties are part of that very same 1%. What kind of assurance is that to the rest of us? Is it any assurance at all? Well, I know we all know the answer to that. It is no assurance at all. And that is why I keep favoring third-party candidates in general, and Dr. Jill Stein in particular, and the message of the Green Party is identical, actually, to the motto as what we have here at A Better World, which is people and planet before profit. And in our current monetary economic system, we have no problem with the earning of money. No, not at all. It's rather glorious since it is the means of movement and uh, it's our currency. So as long as we've accepted that, which may have been a problem in itself, by the way, that's another whole discussion. But seeing as it is our way of transacting change and exchange, there's not an issue about that. But there is an issue about making that have precedence over the value of respecting people, ethical behavior, and planetary health and sustainability. That we definitely have a problem with. And that is a mistaken prioritization of values. And that we will argue down to the end. That's not what we need. We need its opposite. And there are an increasing number of people who see it, who have begun an increasing number of social enterprise companies, B corporations, nonprofit corporations, regular even LLCs. Even the structure isn't what is uppermost. It's the heart, soul, and intelligence behind the structure. And that, I personally feel, is the change agent, the driver behind the change we want to see in the world. In short, that's good people, Jill was saying, in positions of power. So personally, I would like to see an entire entourage of people running in the Green Party for local and state and congressional positions. And again, you know, all of this takes money to mount. It takes a vast amount of commitment to mount. 
I bore witness to this back starting in 1992 as I observed and was friendly with members of the Natural Law Party from Dr. John Hagelin, who was running at that time for president, and again in 96, and again in 2000. And I watched what this party had to go through, the paces they had to pass through, I should say the hurdles and the hoops, uh, in order to get on all ballot, uh, in all ballot boxes across in every state, and what they had to do vie for being in the presidential national debates, which they qualified for, but were excluded from anyway. And I would refer you to an interview I did with George Farah, who wrote an excellent book called No Debate, in which he maps out the history of the national debates, TV debates, going from being in the hands of the League of Women Voters into the hands of the Commission for Presidential Debate, which is none other than a nonprofit that happens to be very profitable, owned, for all intents and purposes, by the corporate Democrats and the corporate Republicans coming together to deliberately exclude any chance of repeating what happened with Ross Perot. That's right. They don't want a repeat performance of that because it scared the daylights out of them. And ever since then, they have done everything they could, and they have, to keep third-party candidates out of the national debates. That is something that Jill Stein is dealing with right now. That is something that Gary Johnson is dealing with right now. And to my surprise, there are several other presidential candidates as well. I don't know why I was surprised, but I saw one on a nationally televised cable station just the other night. His name is escaping me right now, but he was an interesting, rather conservative candidate, but nonetheless, I had never heard of him before, and I was glad, even if I'm not behind his party, that he was getting on the public national airwaves. So this is a good thing, and it happens altogether too infrequently. Now, Jill has been invited on to Fox News, interestingly, quite a fair amount, and MSNBC to some extent, CNN to some extent, way too little if you were to look at it statistically. Uh, but uh, this is part of what is opening up. There's been a, a fracturing, a fissuring, if you will, of these two parties, the unfavorability ratings of both the major candidates is at an all-time bottom-feeding low, as I've made that point over and again, and as even national mainstream television is making over and over again. But curiously, they just cannot stop going to that pump and keep pumping it for more sort of like dirt. And this is the problem with calling it a race. It should not be called a race. It should 
I don't know what word to use, but it's a um, it's a privilege, it's an honor to run, to uphold the values and the higher standards of the United States of America, the original vision of a land for the free and justice for all. That is a great privilege and an honor for anyone to uh, have the opportunity to represent the people on all levels of government, president on down and from state senator and representative on up, or for that matter, mayor or councilman, councilwoman on up. So there's an attitude problem, my friends. There's an attitude problem. There's a a sort of a selfishness, kind of an egoic uh, claim to power, which is not what the system is designed for at all. That's my my commentary. It's not designed for that at all. You know what Woody Allen has to say about uh, the um, journal's commentary and dissent when they merged? Yeah, that's right. It formed dysentery. And I think that that's something of what we are suffering from as a nation right now, some form, some symptoms of dysentery as we are looking at these two most, most unfavorable candidates every day and night on the news nonstop. And they're not talking about anything substantive at all. And it's so sad to see what is actually being passed on to us as, dare I say it, news or something newsworthy, because it is not. And I'm asking all of us to step back to objectify on stream the onslaught of information, of programming, quite literally, coming our way. It's a propagandist stream, my friends. And thankfully, there are people like the Green Party and Jill Stein giving voice. As you've heard this evening in her joining me here, speaking about taking Russia up on going back to the ABM missile treaty, you know, the nuclear arms treaty toward disarmament, reducing the warheads, and simply uh, disemboweling, if you will, the entire nuclear policy of all countries. And it was G.W. Bush who unilaterally, as I had mentioned, pulled out of it. Now, how do you have an agreement with another country or party on any level that chooses to unilaterally pull him or herself out of a standing agreement. It's it's sort of breaking the rules. You just don't get to do that without there being consequences. A contract, an agreement, is by definition a shared one, and it needs to be discussed and negotiated if one person or one nation wants to change the terms. It's legitimate to ask or seek to change terms. That's just part of the game of life. 
but not unilaterally the rules. It's like somebody saying that the movement of a pawn on a chess set now can be anywhere, anytime, as many boxes as uh, one wants. And breaking the rules of the game. You just don't do it and not expect consequences. So that is, in fact, what happened. The United States has been changing the rules of the game, rules of engagement, rules of international law, rules of military engagement for a long time without, as though there were not a body of international law. The country decides, the government decides to enforce it when it's to their advantage and to discount it when it's not. And Jill is making it abundantly clear how unfair and unjust and uncivil that kind of action is. And these are some of the reasons, among many, that I so appreciate her candidacy. Now, that's the macro level. On the micro level, the more we kind of zoom in, the more we see the uh, problems with both candidates on one end and what may appear as a slight advantage of one over the other, although Jill did make the very, very fine, if somewhat subtle point, that even though it appears that what Hillary Clinton is holding out next to uh, Trump is preferred, and ultimately I actually think it is, given those two horrible choices. We want to just recognize that there is a third candidate that would change this game around, that would not require a heartfelt compromise, which is, of course, what's going on with a vote for either of, as Ralph Nader used to call them, twiddly D and twiddly dumb, the duopoly, where if you didn't know they had different names, you would think they were in the same party. That's probably more true, as Jill was really suggesting, than ever before, as I've been saying on these airwaves for quite some time and in blogs, that the reason there are so many Republicans coming out for Hillary Clinton is because she's a Republican. It's easy. The Koch brothers, George H. Bush, and many others, and you can be sure that people like John may be voting privately, if not publicly, for Clinton. I just wish they could go the extra distance and recognize that they would not have to compromise if they were to vote for someone who stands for the rule of law. Isn't that supposed to be a Republican position? The rule of law at home and in the international scene. And that is Jill. She stands for peace, just like our dear friend of a better world, Dennis Kucinich, used to speak of the construction of creation of a department of peace, 
when he ran for the nomination of president in the Democratic Party of uh, 2008, you know? And these are real humane values. As Jill said, this is not rocket science. It is common sense, heartfelt, human beingness is what it is. It's the art of being human, of not compromising, of standing in one's integrity. When one does this, the world gets a lot simpler. You're not strategizing mentally. You are dropping down base, the highest level of brain we've got, the highest level intelligence we have. Emotional intelligence guides us somewhere between the heart and the gut. Informing the thing we call mind is the way to go, folks. And those of you who listen to A Better World and hear me speak here on these airwaves know that kind of orientation is what we so talk about, an integrated, three-brained, as Mr. Gurdjieff used to call it, integration and harmonization so that we in all of our intelligence can be unified as a field and speak from that space, not a compromised space. People say that the art of politics is the art of compromise. Well, you know, you can't say that there isn't some truth to that. There is some because people operate out of different assumptions and different belief systems. And in order to accommodate all, there will be some level of, of compromise. I, I basically concede the point although I believe that there could be a world, biodiverse as it is, that could still have a politics that doesn't really require a compromise. I don't want to go down that road right now because it does have complexity to it. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, for this discussion, well, now monologue, is what sign and the Green Party represent and embody. And over and again, it can be seen that they stand for truth in the face of power, of people and planet before profit. And, well, how do I say? What does it take to create a better world, a sustainable renewable-based economy, which I, through A Better World, am working on constantly behind the scenes through A Better World Foundation airwaves, just privately when I'm not working with clients in helping them harmonize those three centers I was just speaking about and dealing with stress effectively and mobilizing themselves with a sense of meaning and purpose and high-minded, big-hearted values. I am working on a more macro level, literally global one, to bring forward platforms that will allow the expansion of renewable energy, solar, wind, geothermal, micro-hydro, and the like. Because we 
if we want to really deal with climate change, if we want to really deal with global warming, this is where we must go. We must divest of fossil fuel use. Now, we know that's not happening overnight. We know it might take a couple of decades to unwind, but during that unwinding, we can very, very seriously diminish its use literally immediately. We've got the technology to do it. We're lacking the political will. There is an economic will behind it, by the way. I can tell you that. I know, I see a lot of what's going on behind the scenes with green investors and impact investors and even some private equity firms and hedge funds uh, have really gotten the message and are looking to come into certain, certain plays of green infrastructure. This is fantastic. I think they're putting the almighty dollar way to first position, if you will, over the needs of some of the smaller companies to make this all happen. But I can assure you it is happening, and nobody is waiting for government to give us the green light. They are putting on the green light and green signals, no pun intended, themselves. They also see the economics behind it, let alone the good common sense to support life. So there's a lot going in the right direction, folks, a lot. I am really encouraged by so many things that are going on in the planet. But, you know, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And what Jill was speaking about earlier, about absolute horror going on in Syria in general, in Aleppo in particular, the unholy alliances going on in Syria and Turkey with ISIS and others, including the United States as a player, we have troubles here in River City, my friends, and it is serious. And if you have not yet seen Snowden, or if you have not yet seen Deepwater Horizon, oh my, these are films that are just speaking truth about what is going on, and the American people and the entire global population need to know more about what's behind the veil. For some of us, it's not so surprising, but it's always disheartening. Then heartening when you see that there are good people everywhere. And yes, all over government, all over. It's really true. Even in government, funny as that may sound, it's really not. There are good people, their heart and values in the right place. They don't get any airtime. They don't get a voice. Well, except for here and a few other notable uh, alternative media sources, by and large, occasionally on the regular mainstream news and media. Thankfully, occasionally. But not enough sufficiently to educate everyone not enough. So that is why I am grateful for the candidacy of Jill Stein and to have a woman 
of her integrity and dignity and intelligence. Do you hear how eloquently she speaks about these world issues? And it's with a certain level of simplicity because there is simplicity to it, but that simplicity is obscured because there are reasons that government likes to obscure and this is sad so does the media like to obscure and make things more complex than they really are and not to say that there are not complexities in today's world one would be mad to say such a thing i'm not saying that at all but i am saying that there are certain domains in which simplicity is available and apparent and evident and where it is available. Let's go for it. A couple of years ago, I was speaking with a group of uh, my colleagues up in uh, the Wainwright House one beautiful summer afternoon, just uh, past summer, but the one before it, under the Friends of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, FIONS, based here in New York City. Uh, we were we're all board members of those who were speaking that day. And for whatever reason I chose as my subject, uh, the, the scenario that I articulated of what it would look like to have Obama and Putin sitting together deciding to actually get down to it and clear up the issues between the countries and join together collaboratively to solve many of the outstanding issues in the world. And, you know, I, of course, cast it rather humorously. Why not? And I had it prefaced all by a couple of, uh, you know, vodka and uh, water, (laughs) Um, at least for Putin, a couple of delicious uh, Russian Um, culinary uh, flavors, some Russian folk music to soften his heart. Russian folk music is beautiful, and I've heard it performed live in St. Petersburg in the forest, no less. That's a whole other story for another time. But let me tell you, it melts anyone with a heart. It really melts you so beautiful it's so full of joy and romance i will also say and uh, beautiful poetry and a context can be structured rather easily that brings forward the heart not just the mind and strategic mindset of the players and has them meet in a deeper space of wanting to come together to create World peace, yeah, nothing short of, really world peace. And to allow each country respectively to start to channel its resources for the benefit of people, of its own people and then the people at large of the world instead of toward military buildup and all of this madness. It is truly nothing short of madness defending ourselves instead of uniting us all toward the fulfillment of common goals, building infrastructure, building 
educational institutions, uh, building, you know, sports arenas, too. Why not? Cultural arenas. This is good. More than anything, dealing with world hunger, dealing with the need for medicine and healing throughout the world, of stopping the madness of human trafficking and human slavery, slavery on all levels, all levels, including the slavery of we humans to the banking system, to the financial system. That's another form of slavery, and it's utter, complete pathology. It's madness. So healing on all these levels, coming together and collaboratively thinking together, getting ourselves out of the tangle we have gotten ourselves into, can really be done. It just takes commitment and some creative thinking and an intent to do so. And that's where I always come from. And that's where I came from. And that's that talk that day and that beautiful afternoon at the Wainwright House, that this is the kind of scenario I like to create. And I personally believe that the more that we put our energy into this life-affirming, peace-loving, kind of rational thinking, the more we're actually creating a wave in the quantum field for it to come about, to Jill about this. But I don't doubt for a moment that she would be very much on board with this kind of thinking. I mean, honestly, I originally came up with a uh, a film I started to write a screenplay for that had this being done with Ronald Reagan and Leonid Brezhnev back then. Same similar idea of bringing these two world together uh, leaders together to start that path to peace that could be enduring. Anyway, I think you get the message. And what I did not get a chance to speak about with Jill, or or I really should say pull her out about, was the path to the Oval Office. And I know it looks like it cannot happen, but I am telling you, I live in quantum reality in which Anything is possible, and we are dealing only with a series of probabilities, and there are certain, let's say, controls, and one of them is the media, and that basically is controlling the conversation, the narrative, and the education of people. And I dare say that if more people knew about the candidacy of Jill Stein and other people running for the Green Party, they would be relieved and feel liberated that there are some common sense based, peace loving, planet adoring and respecting individuals who are running for office. I personally would really like to see Jill in the White House. That's where I come from. And she will have my vote. Do I understand the dialogue that addresses Trump-Clinton polarity? Yes, of course. I completely understand that one 
if just marginally is preferred to the other. For all that I have distaste for the Clinton um, dynasty, and it is a dynasty, a hold on power in this country, as much as I find that so undemocratic and distasteful, I felt the same thing about the Bush dynasty, too. And the two are very, very similar. As much as I have distaste for it, I will say, ultimately, that my bottom line about that conversation is that at least I feel she has a rational bone in her body. There is a heart in there, if buried, And if push came to shove, a real conversation could be engaged with her where she could use her power and position and experience for the good and divest of some of her nefarious relationships with Wall Street, with Monsanto, with companies like Walmart, Etc. On the other hand, the so-called Republican candidate, Donald Trump, is such a misfit. And the narcissism runs so deep that I cannot rely on having a long-term, deep, true, rational dialogue that would bring him around to understanding the true dangers of certain actions. And I guess I would have to say that that is the only reason, pretty much, that I would have to favor between the two of them a Clinton presidency. But I don't favor it at all. I really don't. I favor a Jill Stein president. And you may say, in these last 40 or so days, is that 30 days? Is that really the answer to that? I would say it is, of course, possible. Is it likely it's not looking as good as I wish it? I believe that had she been able to get into the presidential debates, that would be a different story. But because those national debates and the town halls on public television, on our airwaves, I mean, national airwaves, is such a powerful influencer of people's thinking, it's such a powerful exposure that if people don't have that about Jill, they just won't know in enough time to go through the internal process needed to deprogram from the current players and come back, if you will, to their senses and say, my God, there really is hope. 
there really is a human being running for office instead of a bought for, paid for, uh, you know, candidates in both parties, bought and paid for in different ways. But as Ralph Nader so often says, they're just bought and paid for. I mean, they're already owned. So how are you going to expect them to do anything for us? But the overall point that I want to leave you all with is one that Jill made in her closing moments. And I want to remind you all of the rally that is taking place, the Grand Concourse tonight. I'm going to get this show posted immediately on our Facebook site is the same point that John Hagelin made to me. He's been on A Better World TV a number of times, and that was, I do not think I'm going to be winning. I am seeking to shape and influence policy. That's what I want to do. I want to shape the conversation and the narrative of what is important and what is not on the political horizon. And that is, in effect, what Jill was saying in her closing moments with me just a little while ago, that she wants to be influencing the conversation in the political arena here at this point. And that is what's important. And that it's not about either candidate. On that level, it doesn't matter who is president, that if we exercise our franchise as citizens, that's what's important. We are who is important. And if you remember back, I have had on a dear friend and colleague, Sam Daly Harris, who wrote the wonderful book that I have spoken of so many times called Reclaiming Our Democracy, in which he walks us through what we citizens can do and should do if we actually want to have a democracy, maintain and be vigilant about our democracy. As they say with a muscle, if you don't use it, you lose it. So it is with our democracy. Sam makes that point loud and clear and shows us the ABCs of how to exercise that franchise so to speak. And that's where we all fall short. All of us, even if I am perhaps a bit more proactive in exercising it, many, that is still not enough, quite honestly, to satisfy me. I'm not satisfied with my own performance in this regard, and I encourage you and myself to stand up more for democracy by writing letters, by making phone calls, by joining together with others for forming a unified field in dealing with issue after issue after issue, from the nuclear disarmament to getting those missiles out of each other's orbits, if you will, the way Jonathan Jonathan Granoff was speaking about just a couple of weeks ago on these airwaves, as I have spoken, as Jill was speaking, as others have, the nuclear disarmament, the climate change disarmament, the issues around
around fossil fuel, the issues about international conflict, so unnecessary. And when you deal head-on with these, with heart and mind united, we won't have these refugee problems. We won't have drought problems. I'm working a lot with drought issues right now. And remediation, we have real answers to this through very powerful desalination systems that can be set up in ways that are very energy efficient, that at the same time address the energy, solar and wind energy issues that we're finding all over the world because there isn't the storage for this energy that's actually being generated but not stored. So you cannot have a full-out renewable energy economy if you're not able to store the energy during peak times of generation for those times that are off-peak like nighttime to provide steady, even, smooth power to people. And these are the kinds of things that a better world, through me uh, and my colleagues, are working on behind the scenes to bring forward, and others. But these are really a lot of the key current uh, projects. So if any of you want to participate, certainly let me know. Uh, we need investment capital to really make this happen. And we appreciate anyone's participation in that space. So there are many good things happening. Jill is calling us out for our participation. One, for a vote. And two, for our overall participation in the democratic process. And for that, I, I just so honor her and appreciate all that she shares on these airwaves, as well as all the others, Democracy Now!, on uh, Gary Knoll's show, and others. And uh, it's with great, great pleasure and privilege that I have had a chance to get to know Jill better over time, having first met some years back when she first came on in 2012, when she ran then. And I feel she's a powerhouse, and I am so pleased to be able to share her once again with our A Better World audience. This is an audience that is committed to a better world. I mean, why else would you be listening if you did not feel that way and share these values? I know you do. And I am deeply grateful for your attention week after week to what we have to share. And please go to our website, www.terworld.net or abetterworld.tv and tune in to our weekly television show Monday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or Daylight Time as the case or the season may be and also of course our radio show we started a little early today because of that rally uh, I told Jill we can start at a time that would allow her to maximize her time with you all 
And uh, so we started at 5.30, but otherwise, 6 o'clock, although I know, I know you all listen in archive as you're on the treadmill or riding in your car or sitting on your couch or at your desk, whatever it may be, anywhere in the world, it's fantastic. Just to remind you, we have a weekly newsletter announcing our guests or the subject of our weekly radio and television show, and also I often have blogs as well. It's a free newsletter, a betterworld.tv, in the right-hand column. And our uh, TV interviews then become available online on our store through Amazon, and we welcome your that participating there as well. We also have them streaming for a much less cost through our website as well. And if you are able to make a donation that keeps us going and keeps us sustained on these airwaves to a Better World Foundation, it's so appreciated. Again, at our website, betterworld.tv, you can find that link on the right. And if you want any of the coaching, counseling, consulting, and stress management services, certainly visit us at, or me, at www.mitchellrabin.com, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-R-A-B-I-N.com. I have a feeling you know that by now, but I want to just thank you all again for being as rapt an audience with your attention as you are, and I look forward to seeing you all next week, reminding you about Jill Stein's uh, rally taking place right now up in the Bronx and visit her at her website jill2016.com all you have to do is google Jill Stein and the Green Party and you'll come up with a number of really good websites and I encourage you to really study this and share this with your friends forward this interview and You know, I think everyone around the world should be voting for the President of the United States because that president and that administration is so seminal, playing a role in all countries' affairs because that's what the United States does. And so that's another conversation for another day. But for now, give some serious, serious consideration to who it is you vote for and why. And don't just make it a fait de compli with the duopoly as you are watching, as we are all watching, them both fracture. And uh, nature abhors a vacuum, and it is being filled by a really wonderful third-party candidate. On that note, Thanks again. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World, and I look forward to seeing you all.
When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you could save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your move. Run to Old Navy to treat yourself with up to 40% off store-wide on fall's best dresses, cozy sweaters, and must-have jeans. Talk about a treat. Save up to 40% off at Old Navy or OldNavy.com. Run to Old Navy today. Valid 1023 to 111. Select styles only. 